You know, I'm all for getting a pound of flesh when you feel like you've been maybe hurt or if you feel as if a teammate or yourself has been hard done by. And I'm all for Matthew Kachuk going after Nico Heischer because he felt that Sasha Barkov was wrongly done in, in a game between the Panthers and the Devils on Saturday. But man, last night was not it. Not at that time of the game. The game was already out of reach. And I'm a big fan of Matthew Kachuk because I think Matthew Kachuk is a throwback. I think that Matthew Kachuk is a player that everybody wants on their team in their lineup. He scores, he hits, he fights, he sticks up for his teammates. Like I love all that. But last night when Matthew Kachuk went after Nico Heischer with 39 seconds left in the game, just screamed of, I'm just pissed off that we lost and I'm just going to go after Nico Heischer, who was not even the, the reason for why a scrum ensued at the end of that game, or at least with 39 seconds left after Tomas Tatar had scored an empty net goal. It just felt kind of weak, to be honest with you. And I don't expect that from Matthew Kachuk. I expect Matthew Kachuk to... You know, play as hard as he does all the time. I expect Matthew Kachuk to play with a chip on his shoulder. But that last night just, that felt very un-Matthew Kachuk, like almost as if he was a bit of a sore loser. Just didn't feel like that was the moment. He had literally all game to go out and take a shot at Nico Heischer. You want to fight him, you want to try and fight him, whatever the case may be. Nico Heischer didn't look like he was very interested in in dropping the mitts with Matthew Kachuk last night especially in that moment but for Kachuk to do that it just it didn't feel like it was the right moment I, I honestly and Matthew Kachuk is is hearing it on social media not like he cares but the point being you had all game to do it get it over with early in the game be done with it and then let's move on. Let's not wait until the moment where Nico Heischer is just kind of outside the scrum to say, I'm going to go get him. That just wasn't the time for me. There was plenty of time. There was 59 and a half minutes for him to go out and go after Nico Heischer. I don't like what Nico Heischer did to Sasha Barkov, whether it was an accident or not. I'm all for Hey, Go out and take your shot. I have no issue with going out and taking your shot. But do it in a way where it makes sense. That's all I'm asking here. In that one, the Devils snapped their losing streak. And, and thankfully, Mackenzie Blackwood stops the bleeding a bit for the New Jersey Devils. Because the losing streak was just... It was getting to a point where maybe we were starting to worry a little bit about the New Jersey Devils after the great start that they had. And as the competition started to ramp up, we saw that... Maybe this team, this team was never as good as that winning streak was, but they were probably pretty close to it. And last night they get a big win. Uh, we, we await history tonight, potentially Alexander Ovechkin looking for goal number 801 and 802 to pass Gordie Howe. And another little bit of history that maybe we haven't talked enough about as we lead up to this and, I saw this put out on Twitter yesterday. Evgeny Malkin, is, he's tied with Sergei Fedorov as the second highest scoring Russian player of all time. And he just needs one to pass him. And then he would just be sitting behind Alexander Ovechkin for second spot. I don't think we talk enough about Evgeny Malkin as being 
one of the greatest players that this game has ever seen and certainly one of the the greatest Russian players that we've ever seen. And dare I say, and people are going to think this is hot takey because Alexander Ovechkin's about to pass Gordie Howe and probably potentially break Wayne Gretzky's record. Evgeny Malkin, had he played as many games as Alexander Ovechkin, would be the highest scoring Russian player of all time. Look at the numbers. He would absolutely be there. And it's just a shame that, much like we talk about with Sidney Crosby, that Alex Ovechkin, or, or Evgeny Malkin, would have a much better career had it not been for injuries and lockouts. It's a real shame that we've, that we've gotten to that point. But two Russians could be making history tonight. One, Alex Ovechkin looking for goal number 801 and 802. And Evgeny Malkin could be, after tonight, the second highest scoring Russian player of all time. Elliot Friedman's coming up. Let's start the Jeff Merrick Show with Matt Marchese. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk to Elliot Friedman in just a second, but Eric Francis joining us in the next segment at the top of the next hour. Scott Lachlan, co-host of the Morning Skate on NHL Network Radio. And then the bottom of the next hour, Peter Baugh from The Athletic and author of Force of Nature, uh, where he documented the Stanley Cup victory for the Colorado Avalanche. And as I mentioned, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joining me on the program here. Elliot, how are you? I'm good, Marchese. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you getting in a last walk before the uh, the winter apocalypse or what? No, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm actually here. We're working this afternoon. I'm on air at 1.30 for uh, Leafs, uh, Leafs Flyers. So I'm actually just getting changed while I do this interview. Picture oh, that, Marquez. What a sight. What a great way to start your Thursday, everybody. Thank <laughs> you very much for joining us. Okay, um, I'll, I'll get to the, the Kachuk and Heesher stuff in a sec, but I wanted to, to talk about Evgeny Malkin. And I yep. mentioned in my open there, one point away from passing Sergei Fedorov for second all-time points by a Russian. I just don't think we talk enough about the fact that he really could be the highest-scoring Russian player of all time had he played the same number of games as Alexander Ovechkin because his points per game is absolutely there. And, and much like Sidney Crosby, we kind of look at Evgeny Malkin with a little bit of a what-if he had played more games and, and didn't have injuries and didn't have to deal with lockouts. Yeah, I have to tell you, I don't think like that when it comes to Malkin. Maybe it's because he's been so successful. Um, you know, the fact that he's got three Stanley Cups, the fact that he's, um, you know, that he was a Conn Smythe Trophy winner the first time they won it. I, I actually don't think what ifs with him because I think he's accomplished so much. Now, when you phrase it, when you, when you phrase it to me in that way, I understand where you're coming from. But I think it's actually a positive for Malkin's career that I would bet you a lot of people don't think like that because of everything he has done. Yeah, and, and for me, it was just more of like, it, just like I talk about with Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby at his points per game, if he had been healthy for the majority of his career, we'd be talking about, you know, almost 1,800 career points. Whereas Evgeny Malkin, you know, he's he's at 11, I think it's 1144, and he can pass Sergei Fedorov, and he's played you know, like 200 games less than Fedorov did, and he's pretty close to that behind Alexander Ovechkin, the, the same conversation. That's more of where I'm getting at. Just I I think when it's all no, said it's and done... You're, you're negative. You're just very negative. <laughs> that's why I'm in this chair. I'm taking over for Jeff. i got to change up the mentality a little bit. Jeff's, all, right, Jeff's yeah. all sunshine and rainbows all the time. Um, but it's more for me with Malkin. It's 
And not that Crosby overshadowed him because I, I don't think that that's the case. But I think that when we look back at his career, we may look back and go, wow, he really was one of the, call it 20, 25 best players that we've ever seen. Uh, well, I agree with that. I Like Malkin wasn't on the top 100 when they did the 100. And I, I thought that was a miss. Uh, him and Joe Thornton, I think, were the two that, for me, were were a big miss. But, um, you know, I, I really think that – but the same thing with Crosby. Like, I think there was a point in Crosby's career, like a, a decade ago, where I think some of us might have said, boy, like, there was a lot, unfortunately, left on the table because of injuries and things like that. And we might think about what they were prevented from accomplishing. I, I don't think that anymore – like, when I think of Crosby, I think of the ultimate winner. Um, you know, for a long time, the, the top five in hockey, it was some combination, whichever order you wanted to put, of Gretzky, Lemieux, or Howe, and Richard. Yeah. And I think Crosby is, is going to be in there, and I think Ovechkin's going to be knocking on the door. And I think with Malkin, like, I don't think about what Malkin didn't do. I, I think what Malkin has done. And so when I, when I think of the greatest players ever, do I, do I think Malkin's top five or top ten? No, I don't. But do I think he's not far away from there? Yes. And I don't think about what he could have done. I think about what he has done. Yeah, I've I've already got Ovechkin and Crosby on the on my Mount Rushmore. I think that. So like, who'd you take out? Richard and Gordy Howe. Mm. You know, Richard, I could see. I hope you don't have any trips to Quebec planned anytime soon. No, they don't like me or, there anyway. Well, they don't like you in Ontario either, That's Matt. True. They just haven't That's told true. you that yet. Um, uh, but uh, the the um, you know or how like I, you know you know what happens with how it's 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 age, right? You know the the amount of people who've seen him play is it, it's it, it dwindles. So especially at his peak, so it's easier to kind of discount him. But it's a hard thing to do. I mean, the people who saw Gordy Howe play. Um, I, I would be very curious to see, like, him now. He'd be so dominant. But, like, I get it. It's a good argument. I don't know if he'd be dominant with those cheese cutter skates and straight sticks, Elliot. I mean. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he would update his equipment a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. Um, okay, so last night, Matthew Kachuk goes after Nico Heischer. Like, yeah. I firstly, let, let's get this part out of the way. Did you think that there was any dirty element to Heischer on Barkov off that face-off on Saturday? No, I didn't, but that doesn't mean that it, 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 I didn't. I think he was falling over as much as anything else. But if you're a Florida Panther and you don't care about that. Yep. Like, like you know, like, like, like Heischer, he's not a dirty player. No. Like, he just isn't. But it was an unfortunate outcome. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, too, is you know, Florida's not in a great place right now. They're really struggling. So they're ornery to begin with. And you're trying to grab every tiny morsel of, of reason to go beat the other team. Um, and, and you're mad that Barkov's out. Like, it just, it piles up. Like, it, it, like to a lot of us, it probably seems like a bit of an overreaction. But I, when, I, when you're looking at it from Florida's point of view, even if you disagree with their reasoning, like I watched that and I understood what they were trying to do. They're trying to they're trying to rally around something. Uh, they're they're trying to drive something a little bit because they're really struggling. And you know, not everybody likes that, and not everybody accepts it, and that's fine. Um, and I disagree that it's a dirty play, but 
I see why I completely understood why it happened from Florida's point of view. And and I do too. My point as I said in my opening was I just didn't like the way that it was handled. Like it really, and I, I love Matthew Kachuk as a player uh, and I'll say mm-hmm. it, I'll say it forever. Uh, he's a throwback for me. I, I love I would love him on any team that I was playing on, but it's the end of the game. There's 39 seconds left. The game is out of reach and it's almost yeah. like the sore loser thing. I'm pissed off because we lost. So I'm going to go after him. My thing was, was he had the whole game to do that. And he didn't like you. You literally could have been over and done with early, and then we move on from there. Like he's just well, not going to fight uh, back. We I, know that. I, I yeah. I, I like I get what you're saying. I, I just think that Florida needs that game, right? He, he. Do you think that Paul Maurice or the Panthers want Kachuk to take himself out of that game early? Like if he does that early, how much? How long is he in the penalty box for? I, I then, then, don't, then it can't that, be Matthew Kachuk then. Then it can't be Matthew well, Kachuk. Somebody else has got to do it then. Then you might, you might as well ask Kachuk not to breathe, right? Because <laughs> that's just who he is. Like he's a Kachuk. Like that's that, that's who he is. I mean, you know, like it was going to happen last night at the end of the game because the game was over. New Jersey was going to win, and that's that's kind of the way it went. Um, like if I'm like if I'm the, the Panthers. It, it, I don't want Kachuk doing that at the beginning of the game. Yeah, maybe it's a tone set, but how long is he out of your? How long do you miss him in the game for? And that I mean, and that's I fair. Guess, I, I mean, like that's that's the only thing I'm thinking about. Like that wasn't happening last night until the game was decided. Yeah, at that, at that, then just run them, stick them, whatever. I don't know. I just I felt like it was just a moment where. It it looked kind of sore loserish to me because Nico oh, Heischer wasn't no, even was, the reason it why ab- the scrum started. It it was absolutely sore loserish, like it, it completely was sore loserish. Like there's like I'm not going to argue with that there. Like I said, they did it when like they just scored the empty netter to go up four to two. They they know they're about to lose the game. That's when you become a sore loser, and that's why it happened then. Like they. I mean, everybody knew, like, the first, the injury happened last week, last Saturday, I think. When this game was on the schedule, I think everybody knew that this was a possibility. Sure. But, like, the more important, like, if Florida's 30 points clear of the playoffs, then you can go do that right away. But the bigger thing they had to worry about was winning the game last night. Well, and now Florida's 12th in points in the East and yeah. it's a much tighter Eastern conference. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much, but this does feel like, do I think they're going to get out of this? Sure. Do I think that they need to figure out their goalies need to be a little bit more consistent? Sure. But this is also, they're not in a position where they can just trade out of their problems right now either. No, no, they can't because, excuse me, sorry. Uh, no, they can't because they're just, uh, they also don't have a lot of resources to trade with. Like my, like my position is that if they had the assets to trade for Chikrin, they would either be trying to do it or they would have had it done already. But they don't. Like they went all in last year. They traded away a lot of their picks, um, and they don't have the ability right now to like. One of the, I think a lot at the beginning of this year, if we all had a question about the Panthers, it was going to be were they could they defend, and you know they had to have good goaltending. And I think Knight is going to be good. I think he's legit. 
but he's not ready to be the full-time number one yet. And Bobrovsky's really struggled. So you've got a problem. And, you know, that's the thing. They're, they're tight in the cap, and they don't have a lot of pieces that they could move for top-end players. And so they're in a really tough spot. There's, there's no question about that. And uh, I think, I also think that there's something to be said for, is this the time for you to blow whatever capital you have left? And last year, I understood why they did what they did. They had a shot, and they should have taken a run at it. I'm just not sure that now they should be considering that because I'm not sure they're good enough. So on, on the trade market uh, as a whole, and I know I know things last night uh, last week we talked about things kind of just being everything's just backed up right now. What it, what do you believe the willingness is among teams to deal away first round picks? Because everybody expects that this is going to be a deep draft. Nobody wants to trade away their first and then fall out of the race. So any first that's moved is going to probably be by teams that are locked into the playoffs. But I guess what I'm asking is, are we going to see, you know, a first round pick for Ben Sherratt type deal this year, just because a lot of teams being up against the cap need cheap high end talent. If they're going to continue on this way. Well, I I still think that um, if you take a look at it, like I've heard that, you know, there's some, there's some decent unrestricted free agent defensemen out there like Gavrikov and, and Columbus, I think is on a few teams radar. And if you look at what Columbus got for David Savard a couple of years ago, it was a first and a third. And if you look at what um, Montreal, as you mentioned, got for Sherratt last year, they're still going to try that. There's no question. I do think that there's a real fear about trading out of the first round this year um, because it's a deep draft. And But then again, when we get to the deadline, there'll be some teams that will be no, they're going to be picking a little bit higher. So it's probably less of a fear. I just think that the issue right now is that the league is so – you know, constipated as I've used. It's there's there's so many teams that are close to the cap or in injured reserve, long term injured reserve, that there's just not a lot of flexibility to make moves out there, and that's the biggest problem right now. Do you think some teams may be a little bit um, scared to be the ones to set the market, just to say, ah, oh, I nah, could have got more, nah. or are you think no. there are teams willing? It's just a matter of things just need to be able to move around money wise. Yes, yes, I think it's B. Okay. Option B. All right. Okay. So in your in your latest uh, thirty-two thoughts, which was twenty-three thoughts, I think this week. Uh, yes, it was. It was uh, Festivus tomorrow. Festivus, exactly. Uh, Festivus for the rest of us. Um, yes. So extending the season to eighty-four games. Now that would yeah. entail taking away two exhibition games, um, two which or three or more. Yes. Yeah, which is fine by me. Um, but is this solely about revenue, or is there another reason for it? Because for me, I think the season's too long. I think you're probably better off with 74 games, even 70 games, just because I think you know there are a lot there are a lot of games in January that we look at and go, oh boy, this is a this is a real grind. Is it is it strictly just finances? And would this be a conversation had the the league not gone through their financial issues during COVID? Well, I think there's a couple of things there. I actually did. I actually was. Uh, 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 I actually did get a lot of feedback about that 84 games. There, there were a number of fans, and Twitter is not representative of the real world, but you can tell um, if it's more reaction than normal, and it was. I think there are a lot of fans who feel that less is better than more, um, or at least a few. I shouldn't say a lot. I would say at least a few. And, you know, the way I look at that is I understand why everyone's saying. 
I think the NBA is looking at decreasing the schedule, but they're also looking at, I think, a midseason tournament. So, you know, the, I look at the economics of it. Why are they looking at doing 84? Because the 82-game the matrix doesn't work as well with 32 teams. As we know, Calgary and Edmonton, they're done with each other. Today is the last Ranger-Islander game of the year. It, that doesn't really work for me. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for a lot of other people either. So what this 84-game thing is about is, is there a way we can make sure that there's each team in each division is playing each other four times a year? So that's where this idea kind of comes from. Um, you know, I, I did have people say, you know, 70, 72, 74 would be better. You know, then come the questions are, you know, do the players give back 10 games worth of salary? Um, you know, are buildings going to be happy, you know, with five extra dates off a night, uh, a year? Um, I mean, some will surely be able to fill those dates. Others might not. Um, I think there's a lot of questions about it. I do think it's interesting that the NBA is considering it. Um, and I wonder, you know, but look, the NFL just went to 17, right? And they went to 17 and they dropped their preseason games from four to three. And that's kind of where the idea comes from. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about it. We'll see if it goes anywhere. How, how much of an appetite is there for seeing every team every year like or or having the home and home like do is there more of a, a want for let's play teams within our division or you know in, in let's say Toronto's case play Montreal and Ottawa more and Edmonton's case play Calgary more like is there is there a is there a clamoring for that or is everybody still okay with hey let's just play every team and and guarantee to get every team in our building once and what's the appetite for cutting down on travel costs as part of that? Well, I, I think that it's not just travel costs. I think there would be a desire to cut down on travel, period. Um, I don't even think it's costs. It's, you know, I, I think that in some situations, and it's a lot easier in the East than the West, if you could cut down the wear and tear on players, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. But the, the other thing that I look at here is that um, I remember a few years ago, they did have a situation where everyone didn't go everywhere all, uh, every season. Like there were times, like, uh, you know, and I, but I don't like that. Um, now, I did have an interesting text today that, you know, someone said to me, because I was talking about this this morning on another radio show, and someone was, li was listening and they said, well, there's some places where they don't care if, uh, you know, if a, a certain team comes in. And I get that. I understand that happens. But I think if you're trying to grow your game and sell your game, you can't have Connor McDavid going, not going to markets every year. You can't have Sidney Crosby or Ovechkin or name anyone else. Like, I think if you're really trying to grow your fan base, your best players have to be seen once in every market. And people might disagree with me on that. Fine. But that's my feeling. Well, and while I don't, I don't think that that's wrong. Isn't that more of a, isn't that more of something that maybe the the mid market or smaller market teams would like? Because I, I don't think a team like Toronto cares that Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby only comes here once a year or doesn't come here at all. Because that building, if the team is playing well, is going to sell out anyway. Is that something that maybe? Yeah, but Matt, like I don't care. Like you, sh you sh like I don't care about that. You, you should, if you want to grow your game. You should say, like, you should always send your best player to every market every year. 
whether you sell out the building or not. Like, like I, I guarantee if you were to do a poll of Leaf fans, you should do a extremely scientific Elon Musk style poll on your Twitter account. <laughs> I don't have enough followers say, for that. Yeah, but you know what? I'm just saying that it's, it's extremely scientific. I yes. think that what we're learning is that if you were to say, like, even if the Leafs send out, sell out the building, building, 41 home games a year, would Leaf fans be happy if they knew that Connor McDavid wasn't coming once a year? I guarantee it would be no. I mean, you're, I'm talking more about from a business perspective than. I don't from care. a fan perspective. But the fans are the fans are your business. And they're still gonna show up to watch Detroit on a Tuesday night. Or yeah, but, okay, Islanders fine, on but a Tuesday still, night. But still, is that good for your game? Like I understand I understand the, your argument, but the, the second question's gotta be, is it good? There are people there are lots of people that say what I what I do is not good, Elliot. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate over here. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm one of them, but yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> All right. We've got uh, two cancellations already, Ottawa and yeah. Detroit tomorrow, Lightning and Sabres as well. Uh, should we be expecting any more, with the, especially with the uh, 20-foot waves that we're expecting in the, uh, among the Great Lakes here in, in Ontario and, and surrounding area? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I don't know that for sure. I haven't, you know, I, like I said, my head's on the, Toronto Philly game this afternoon, so I haven't made a lot of calls on that one. Um, I mean, look, like we all see, we all we read the weather reports, right? Um, uh, you know, I'm supposed to drive to Blue Mountain on Saturday. That that's my biggest concern right now. Am I going to be able to drive to Blue Mountain <laughs> on Saturday? Are you going skiing? Tubing. We like tubing. Okay, because I was going to say I would pay money to watch you ski. I ski. Like I'm not great, but I'm not terrible. Like I can do it. I wouldn't. I love. Tubing. I won't do it. I'm afraid of the ski lift. Are you serious? What yeah, is wrong I'm, with you? I'm afraid of I heights. Tried, I, I tried snowboarding too, but after, like, it, it was it was not, the thing with me with snowboarding is it was a bit counterintuitive after skiing, so yes. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm nowhere near uh, acceptable when it comes to snowboarding, but I do love tubing. Okay, so there it is. I would, I would pay to watch you snowboard. How about that? Oh, yeah, I got look. I'm, I'm I'm not like a Steve Podborski or anything like that, but I can I can get around on skis. My but snowboarding, I'm just awful. Okay, uh, since we since you mentioned it, let's talk a little bit about uh, Leafs and Flyers. That one at two o'clock, and on the Flyers page, they they bench Kevin Hayes, which was I mean. I, I I don't know if John Tortorella is trying to send him. Well, he's trying to send a message. I I don't know what that message is. But where where do things go from here? Is there are we looking at? Obviously, there's not a coaching change happening because John Tortorella just got there. But are we looking at big changes among the organization, even when it be front office or players, or is are they still in the wait and see approach to see what's out there? Well, I, I just think that the biggest question is. Um, I, I just, to me, the biggest question is, what is their direction? Like, what are they, where are they going here? And, like, I think they should, um, and that's that's what I would do if I was the, if I was the Flyers, but they have to make that decision. And until they're, say, like, hey, uh, we're going for a rebuild, then they're tr- obviously trying to win. And if you're trying to win, you don't make the same decisions than you make for a rebuild. So I think they have to commit to that before we can decide which direction they're going. 
and and how much of that conversation is who's going to be making those decisions? Is it going to be Chuck Fletcher? Is it going to be someone else? Yeah, I think that's a question too. Like, I think he's got two more years left on contract. And, uh, but I, I also think like, like Philly's one of those teams where I think organizationally, they just aren't crazy about the whole rebuild idea. And I think they should, but they have to get their own heads wrapped around it. Uh, on the leaf front, Rasmus Sandin out today. They lose another defenseman, but Jordy Ben's going to drop back into the lineup. How how sustainable do you think their defensive structure is if they keep losing defensemen? Because I thought well, this wasn't going to work, but apparently it's working. Well, I, I I don't know how you could argue, like like how sustainable is it? I don't know, but I think we've been asking that question for a month, and they keep winning, right? Yeah, like they deserve, they deserve a lot of credit. They've played great. Um, uh, they've played hard. They've they've played the kind of hockey that you have to play, and they've they've been really good despite a lot of injuries, both in goal and on the blue line. And they deserve a lot of credit for the way they they've played so far. And as you know, one of my buddies who's a huge Leaf fan just quoted Godfather to me, Godfather three to me the other day. He's like, "Oh no!" Just when I'm out, they pull me. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me right back in. <laughs> It's true. They do have a tendency to do that. Um, so if you look at their roster, I mean, once they get healthy, I, I, I think we all, I think we all believe that Jake Muzzin is probably not going to be back this season. So it does open I up. I would agree with that. So, I would agree with that. So if they're the way that their defense is playing right now, I, I don't, I don't think that that is where the issue is. Do you think that they would go out and dare I say, try and acquire a top six winger to play with Tavares and Marner instead of going out to get a defenseman? I have wondered about that myself. I think it's a very good question. The last time I looked into it, and this was probably over a month ago, I definitely got the impression that it was defense first and forward later. Now, you know, has that changed? I don't know, but that was the feeling about a month or a month and a half ago. Just, I, I just, that was the one question. I know that the goaltending and everything was, was obviously top of mind, and that's clearly not an issue. And, and defensively, they've been good. I've just always wondered, especially the way that they've scored goals this year, which hasn't been uh, at an alarming rate. And I'm just getting a note that Rasmus Sandin has been placed on the IR. Um, yeah, Jordy Ben's playing today. Yeah, so with that, like, how much, how... Where would you rank the top six winger among importance on this team? Because I always thought that that was going to be an issue because, you know, obviously the, the, the Robertson injury does not help, but I don't think that they ever truly believed that he was going to be the guy to slot in there. I think it's an issue. You know, I think you could make a real argument that in at least some of these series that they've lost, not all of them, but some of them, that goal scoring was the biggest problem. Yeah. I know the goaltending has had some concerns. I know the defense has had some concerns. But I do think in some of these series, there have been times they needed an extra score. And I have wondered. Yeah, and, like, I have wondered if, like, Timo Meyer scored a goal the other night against Calgary that was, you know, like, you'd look at him and you'd say, boy, that guy would be a real nice fit on some of those lines. But, like I said, the last time I looked into it, I was definitely given the impression it was defense first. We'll see if it changes. We will see if it changes. Well, Elliot, have a good show today. And uh, lucky for you, uh, weather dependent, you get to talk to me tomorrow. Oh, God. I, 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 I feel some sniffles coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's good that you don't have to come in because then you can still do the radio hit. Thank you, Elliot. <laughs> All right. Take care, Marchese. Have a good night. You too. There he goes. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts.